0: Are you feeling out of your depth attempting to parent your child's online world? Parenting in Cyberspace is brought to you by Parentline and the Queensland Government. This season talks about supporting young people's online wellbeing and experiences with cyberbullying.
1: But I think it's a reminder that it's okay to not know everything. To not be the expert and to take your time with it because at the base of everything is that idea that you absolutely know your child
0: the best. In this episode of the Parenting in Cyberspace podcast, I'm going to be joined by Chantelle who is one of the ParentLine counsellors. Chantelle's background is as a social worker and she's worked with parents and families for a number of years. She's passionate about supporting families' mental health, connecting with parents and supporting them to build parent-child connection and relationships. Chantel, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Alia. Thanks so much for having me on. So I want to start today by asking you a little bit about ParentLine and your role as a counsellor there for anyone who might be unfamiliar with the service. Yeah, so I uh, started working
1: with ParentLine uh, about a year ago, just over a year. Uh, ParentLine is a free counselling service for parents, carers, grandparents. Uh, We work across Queensland and the Northern Territory and we sit under your town. So we're government-funded, and we provide free counselling, whether that's over the phone on web chat or by email. Parents can contact us. And it's about having a safe space for parents to check in with someone to talk about what's going on for them and just have support so that they can then reconnect with their child and and, um, whatever's going on, they're
0: able to talk about it with us. That's really fantastic. What are some of the things that parents and carers contact the service about? It's such a variety.
1: I, I think we have a, a few stats that would show what what's probably the biggest things that parents will call about. But I think in general, uh, some ideas would be, you know, when they're unsure about how to respond to their child's behaviour, whether they're little children, they're having tantrums, what do I do, how do I help them through that? There's concerns about their their teenagers' mental health and they're not sure how to talk to them about that. school refusal, I think, is a really big one, particularly in those teenage years again. And and, uh, I think uh, safety in general and what's going on for them, but particularly online and and cyberbullying can come up. Bullying... in in itself happening in person or or online but sometimes it's a mixture and that too and then I think I said before what our main stuff is when when parents are feeling overwhelmed sometimes it's helpful to just check in and and talk to someone about what's happening for them when they feel heard when they feel listened to it can create a, a better space for them to be able to go back and talk to their kids about what's happening as well.
0: A lot of those things that you've mentioned are things that might bring up feelings for children. They might be experiencing a varying range of emotions if they're going through those situations. But also, like you said, for parents and carers themselves, their child going through various experiences might have them feeling a huge range of ways. In terms of cyberbullying and bullying, What are some of the common things that you hear from parents and carers about how they're feeling when their child is having those experiences, when they suspect that their child might be experiencing bullying or cyberbullying? When parents are calling about
1: this... There's a a general feeling sometimes of the unknown. I think there's a lot of parents out there, depending on what age you are as a parent and and when you've got the, the, the teenage years in particular, sometimes a bit younger. We, as parents, sometimes grew up very different to our children. Our children are in a very virtual world. And what that looks like can be really difficult for parents to understand. So uh, I, I think sometimes it's just, it's confusing. Parents don't know what to do. They don't know how to respond. They, they, they don't quite know or understand what's happening for their child when they've not had a similar experience they don't quite understand that that virtual world and what that cyberspace can can look like and, and what it does to children so I think uh, along with that there's, there's anger for sure when when parents find out that something like this is happening to their child when they, they hear of another child being mean or saying particular things about who their child is. I think they can want to take action. They get angry. They, they, they can't believe someone would do that to their child. And then alongside that, I think you, you can be upset, right? You can be sad and quite overwhelmed at the idea of how am I going to stop this? How do I help my child through this when it's, it's possibly been happening for a while and maybe you haven't known and your child hasn't been able to share that with you for many different reasons? But I think
0: my my main one would be confusing, definitely. What you've said there about these experiences look very different in this day and age than they did perhaps when parents were going through school can be confusing and quite scary as well. Do you think that something that parents, when they sort of stop and have a think about what the child is actually experiencing that it is something that parents can actually relate to the feelings of the things that are happening because of online interactions so say for example a young person is being excluded online is that something that parents can actually relate to because it may have happened to them or they may have seen it happening just in a different forum when they were younger I think as you
1: started talking about that, I'm like, yeah, definitely. When you think about it, just in the cyber world, yeah, it can, it can look very different in a lot of ways, where how the messages come through, where it, what what the apps are, and it can feel really overwhelming. But when you actually break it down and, and look at the basics of what's happening to your child, they're feeling hurt. They're they're having things said or or done to them that puts them in a really vulnerable space, makes them feel possibly isolated and and left out. And I think in general, most people in the world would have felt that way to some level in at some point in their life where we don't always feel comfortable in every space we're in. We don't always feel safe uh, with every interaction we have. And uh, I think the feelings are definitely something parents would be able to pick up and, and really relate to. And of course the context is important, but if we approach it from that that way of what what's going on for them how are they feeling and how they're experiencing it definitely parents are going to be able to make those connections with their own experiences as well.
0: Absolutely I think at its core it sounds like it's kind of about bringing it back to the basics of what's happening for this young person and recognizing that parents don't need to be Experts in IT or social media to understand the emotions and the feelings that their children are having. Definitely, yeah, no, no experts here. I don't even think I would
1: say I'm an expert, and um, I do have social media, I do have things like that, but definitely not an expert or or across it all. You you can't keep up with a lot of it.
0: (laughs) Definitely not. Going back to some of the feelings that you mentioned before, that fear and that anger around finding out that your child is experiencing cyberbullying, I kind of want to take it a step further back to a parent or a carer has noticed that their child is acting a little bit different. Maybe they're being a little bit more secretive about their device use. Maybe they're spending longer on their devices or less time on their devices And they want to approach their child and ask them more about what is going on for them. But they're feeling a little bit unsure about how to do that. What would you suggest in that situation?
1: There's a couple of things we we can do. Uh, I guess I imagine it as a parent calling me on parent line and and what I talk to them about and how we might approach it from their perspective and from the child's perspective and trying to make a bit of a plan so that the parent can feel more confident to, to start that conversation. I would take it straight back to the parent. I think it's about that person being able to reflect and understand how they're feeling about the situation I think if you're able to be quite conscious and aware that you feel angry about it I use anger in particular because I think it's one that a lot of parents would relate to that when you feel angry about something you can often want to make a a quick action you can be quite reactive to it and sometimes it's it's not going to be that helpful for your child sometimes that reaction might be something that your your child isn't completely comfortable with or isn't really kind of connecting with where their experience is sitting. So I think it's important to be aware of how you're feeling first and foremost. So check in with yourself. How am I feeling? What do I want to do here? And is that actually the, my first step? Uh, not not to say it's not something you will put action to, but first step I think is, is definitely checking in with yourself before you're able to then check in with your child. So once you're aware of that, talk to someone about it, talk to ParentLine, talk to a trusted person, someone else who might have a similar experience that they've been through and, and can share some of that awareness of it. But I think once you're aware of that, then it's about going in for that conversation. So being aware of your feelings, I think, allows you to be calmer in a lot of ways. So being able to regulate yourself to approach your child in a way that allows them to have a safe space. When you're calmer, your, your child's going to feel that. Your child's going to feel that this is a calm, safe place. And, and mom or dad or grandparent, whoever it is, actually just wants to to check in with what's happening for me right now. When, when we've got the, that happening, we want to be curious. We want to come in from a place where we're not judging, we're not being too direct around our questioning, but curious questions invite children to share their version, their perspective of what's
0: been happening for them. So say, for example, a parent or a carer has noticed that their child is upset a lot after they've been using their devices. How would curiosity come into finding out more about what's causing that. I think that's a a good example.
1: So, I guess I would be starting by asking uh, or or by reflecting to them that behaviour. So, starting that conversation by saying, hey, I've noticed that you've been uh, a little bit uh, different around this space or I I guess depending on exactly what the behaviour is, reflecting that in particular. So, I've noticed that this has been happening and, and that's a bit different to what I would expect for you. So, I was wondering what what's been happening for you. And similar as well, you might question an emotion, uh, an emotion change that you might see. So another example would be, I've noticed that you've been quite upset after you've been on on the phone at night at times and wondered what's been happening and if there's anything you wanted to talk about. So it's an opportunity to open up that space, open up that conversation with them. I would say from calls I've had on ParentLine before, sometimes they won't go there. Sometimes you can ask the most beautifully worded question and they still might say... I don't know, or nah, or just be really silent. That's okay. I think the important part with that is you've tried and you've showed them in that, that you want to connect with them. You want to help them through it. And it might take a few times of setting that up. So I think that's something I will often reflect to parents that if it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't mean we don't try again, you know, do the same. It might be the next day. It might be a few days later, but keeping an eye on them in the meantime, of course, safety is always first or whatever the, the context is of it but definitely trying again and giving them multiple opportunities to hear that whatever they're going through you want to be there for them and you want to support them through it.
0: I think what you've said there and the way that you've worded that is so fantastic as well because it sets up the opportunity for the child to have a a choice. They've got a choice about whether they want to engage in that conversation in the present moment. And if their answer is no right now, like you say, it sets it up to say, okay, I'm here if you need, whenever you need. And so not only are we then giving them those opportunities when we're engaging with them, we're letting them know still that no matter what, we're here to talk when they're ready to talk about it. Absolutely,
1: I think there's there's so much power in that option for them, and and not putting too much pressure on ourselves to to force something out of them that they they may not know how to explain or, or may not be ready to talk about as well. So remembering that that's not always a reflection of who we are as parents or how much we're trying, it's just a reflection of where your
0: child's at and what they're needing in that moment. In the conversation, say the child is ready to have that conversation and they disclose to the parent that they are experiencing cyberbullying or experiencing a combination of cyberbullying and bullying, which we know is extremely common. So we're now engaging in that conversation with them. How would we continue that conversation as parents or carers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This this is the the golden time. So we've got them in, they're feeling safe, they're feeling calm alongside you, and they're feeling ready to share a bit about what's going on for them. And I think this is the time to be a bit quieter, let them share, let them talk through their experience, what's been happening. Again, we're going to keep an eye on how we're feeling through that conversation, because as we hear things that might, might be happening for them or might have been said about them, that protective parent instinct is going to kick in sometimes and we're going to be like, whoa, why, why did they say that about you? You know, And we're going to want to jump but, again, keeping check on that is going to be really important to, I guess, stay in that calm and, and safe space so that they can really share their perspective of it So I guess it's taking the time to reflect some of what they share, letting them know that you are listening, that you're hearing what they're sharing with you. So literally reflecting word for word if it needs to be to share with them that I hear you, I hear that that happened for you. Um, And on top of that, I think this is where the acknowledgement and validation comes in. This is where when they share I'm feeling uh, upset when this happens to me or I was really angry because I thought they were my friend. We want to let them know that that those feelings are so valid, those feelings that they experience in that are so real for them and we understand and we can really connect with them by doing that. So literally a a sentence like um, saying, "I I can hear that you felt really angry at someone you thought was your friend and then they've done this to you and that must have been really hard to go through. A small sentence like that lets that child know that you heard them, that their feelings are valid and that you're also there and supporting them in that moment. And it does absolute wonders, I think, for the overall goal being connecting
0: and having a a parent-child relationship that is safe and supported. I think that that's really great advice is sort of acknowledging how our child is feeling, letting them know that we've heard them and letting them know that that is a valid emotion. Something that I'd love to go back to how the parent is potentially feeling during this conversation. So you mentioned that, and I think it's absolutely true, hearing that our child is going through something that's hurting them can really kick on that drive of, I, I want to protect my child. In that conversation, what are some of the things that a parent or carer could be doing to ensure that they're staying present in the conversation and that they're not switching into that reactive place?
1: I think it's important to recognise parents are different, children are different. Every conversation, it's not going to be a streamline exact of what I'm saying to try with them. It's going to look different and it may ebb and flow and there may be times you're able to catch yourself. I think that's important. So the more you can catch yourself while you're in the conversation and, and talking to yourself in your mind a little bit, going, oh, i I, didn't, I really didn't like that. You know, acknowledging it for yourself is important. It it may be tricky though because it, it possibly might not be a, a space where you can acknowledge it out loud. It might be more internally supporting yourself. I think people have different ways of regulating. People have different ways of being able to keep themselves calm. So some parents might find this quite easy mm. and some parents might find it a lot more difficult Even before we got to this point, this is where you'd you'd have that conversation with ParentLine or with someone else about that plan of of how do I approach this? What Mm. do I do? Mm. Specifically, I guess it's hard to point to strategies that will work for everyone for some people, maybe having another parent there is helpful. Maybe going in together and and having another parent who sometimes you find one parent can be less reactive. So having someone there, whether it's a parent or another safe person that the child connects with as well, that can kind of balance each other out and pick up on those moments together. Also just to acknowledge that it's okay if you have a moment of letting it out. It's okay if the child does hear a little bit about it and I guess part of it might be if, if it does come out, if you do say something that's quite expressive and quite reactive, letting your child know where that come from for you and again it's potentially a great opportunity to connect with them for them to hear that that reaction more than likely came from a place where you love your child and you Again, can't believe this is happening for them and really want to support them. So being able to, to say, Hey, actually, I just want to pause. I know I said that. I just want to stay in this space with you. I just need a moment, taking, taking a, a breath, you know, taking a second, pausing the conversation as you need as well. My last thought for it as I talk through it too is, this conversation might not happen altogether. Mm. You might get a little bit into it, have a reactive moment or your child has a bit of a moment too And you take that space from each other and you make a plan that, okay, let's come back to this tomorrow when we're feeling maybe more okay and and can reset. And it's not forgetting it and it's not letting it go. And it's certainly not your child feeling disconnected. It's actually being really honest with the space you're in and and what your capacity is to be able to, to hold your child the way that
0: you would like to in that as well. Something that that really makes me think is the importance and the reminder to be kind to yourself as a parent, especially in situations where you perhaps do become reactive or you are not feeling like you have capacity to have this conversation is the importance of remaining kind to yourself throughout this conversation and throughout this process of supporting your child and yourself if they're having these experiences.
1: I think something to also briefly acknowledge is maybe some parents have had their own experiences of bullying as well that hasn't necessarily been in that cyberspace but has been in a school environment or in a similar place and, and recognising that that's possibly going to be a trigger for you and that's okay. we can't expect ourselves to forget what happened to us and to drop and and forget our morals or values around injustice and what that looks like too. So uh, I think there's uh, absolute value in recognizing what it's bringing up for us and, and kind of using it a little bit to steer the conversation a bit more and, and possibly more towards the end, more towards the next steps around how do we go about this? Because There's certainly actions you can take depending on situations, depending on the context. I think it's a beautiful space if you can go into a conversation where your child's felt heard, your child's felt connected to you, safe and supported, and you can continue that by taking a very child-led approach to our action plan. So what do we do from here? We see what's been happening. Obviously, we're going to consider time frame and how quickly do we need to act depending on, on the safety of your child and, and what is actually happening. But the more we can allow our child to feel like they're in control, we are empowering them. We are giving them an opportunity to take back some power and control in a situation that they've potentially felt really powerless in. And I think that's really valuable for them to have alongside a a parent.
0: Yeah, it can be really empowering for the young person to be able to take some of that control back in the situation when they're supported by their parent to do that. If a parent is concerned that their child is perhaps the person engaging in the cyberbullying behaviours, what do you see as some of the common emotions that they might feel and how would you recommend that they go about initiating a conversation with their child about those concerns?
1: I think it looks different in the sense of exactly what we said before. Every situation is different. Every child is different. So it's it's going to be a conversation that's still guided by some of the same principles that we've talked about. It's still about connecting and trying to understand what's been happening for your child. Something I probably missed touching on before, but maybe went without saying was was empathy. That idea of empathy for your child. And I think when it's flipped when, when your child is the one being accused of the bullying and you're seeing things that they've said or shared about another child. I think this is a really important space to have empathy. And I think the way that we get there is that curiosity it still comes back to being really curious and asking questions that allow your child to openly share how they got to this point. Generally, what we want is to go back to those questions again. We want to start a conversation with our child that doesn't attack them, doesn't put them in a position where they they possibly feel defensive or potentially shut down on us. We want to open up that conversation to say, hey, we're, we're aware this has been happening and we want to know more about what's been going on so that we can help you. Uh, I think that, again, you might get The shutdown still, you might get the no, the pushbacks, but it's still so important to keep trying, uh, remembering again, every time they hear you come to them and ask them if they're ready to talk to you, it's another time they're hearing, I have a parent who cares. I have a parent who wants to support me through this. So being more curious is going to help us understand our child and lead us to having empathy for why this is happening and, and what's been going on for them. Uh, I think the feelings for parents that come up can be pretty big ones and not necessarily different to the feelings you have if your child is being bullied. I I think you can still feel really scared and anxious. You can still feel really upset and angry. The slight difference might be that maybe you have these feelings towards your child. Maybe you feel angry and, and are wondering why they, they did this. Maybe you feel like I raised them better. Why why would they ever do this to another child? And again, I bring you back to that empathy. Let, let's find out what was going on for them. Let's find out what
0: led them to that situation as well. Thank you so much for that, Chantelle. I think that that is such a wonderful way to enter these conversations with our children and our young people. And I think as well it sounds like it's bringing it back to that thing of being kind to yourself as a parent, especially if it is bringing up these big emotions for you of, well, I raised my child better than this. Why are they doing this? Really being kind to yourself. And I think like you were saying earlier, it's similar in the sense of we need to, as parents, ground ourselves and regulate our own emotions before we initiate these conversations so that we're not coming at them from a place of anger or being upset directed at our child. If it helps to give
1: an example of that too is... Sometimes parents call parent line and they may have already tried to have this conversation and they may have already tried to approach it and what's happened is there's big feeling sitting there and they've done something quite reactive uh, they've approached it in a way where they've felt on edge their child's felt on edge potentially it's escalated and it's become this argument And it wasn't something the parent was intending at all. But when we step back and reflect on that and think about, well, what feelings were playing into that, it was less so how you intended the conversation to go and more so just that unconscious feelings that that were sitting there that we weren't quite aware of, that we didn't see impacting how we were coming into that space and then potentially putting our children in that defensive position too and all of a sudden we aren't getting what we hope to get out of it and it looks very different. Again, there's, that doesn't mean we don't try again. We don't go back and talk about what happened last time and what we actually want to get out of it with our child that's only able to happen by being kind to yourself and Mm. by recognizing that escalations will happen you're going to get frustrated as a parent you're going to get reactive and that's okay Uh, I think the important part is how you come back from that how do you reconnect with your child after you've had a, a challenging moment with them and what do you do in that space to help
0: them feel safe again to talk to you about it Absolutely and I think a lot of what we've talked about today has really been underpinned by the importance of the parent-child connection and really promoting that connection which I know is something that you are incredibly passionate about. These strategies that we've spoken about, we've spoken about them in the context of cyberbullying, do they apply in other areas of life as well? Are they things that can be used if parents are worried about other things that their child might be experiencing? Yeah,
1: definitely. I guess I'll I'd go back to some of the examples I used for why parents call parent line, whether we're talking about school refusal, or we're talking about our children, young children having tantrums or uh, I think the other one I used was teenagers' mental health. All of those are ones that depending on the kid's age, it's going to look slightly different uh, in how they might be able to respond and, and talk to us. So it might take more from, from our end to... Uh, acknowledge feelings, to talk them through what's what's going on for them. But the more we try to have those conversations and connect and support them, that's the important part of it is that relationship is built off safety and trust and connection more so than anything. And the more opportunities we create where that happens, then it's going to help those conversations. So, for example, uh, if we have... Concern about our teenagers' mental health. Quite similar, it may have something to do with the cyberbullying as well that they're experiencing, and it may be a further conversation we have, but it comes back to the same things. How are we feeling in it? Are we feeling out of our depth again because we haven't necessarily had an experience of not feeling okay with our mental health or possibly feel like we don't know everything about? all the mental health and mental illnesses that are out there and how, how would we ever know what to do for our child if we don't know everything? when it's, it's not about knowing everything because it's not about being the expert it's still about connecting and having these conversations in a safe space that your child feels like you're there to listen and you're there to, to support them and absolutely I would apply the, the same things around being curious, being calm, being aware of your own feelings in that situation and having a, a plan with them that empowers them, that allows your child to really lead it and uh whether that's getting a, a mental health plan whatever that needs to look like giving your child options and giving them opportunities is definitely where i would sit with with any call to parent line
0: thank you so much for sharing that chantelle i'm sure that so many people who are listening will really find that informative and empowering to understand that it really comes back to that parent-child connection and the importance of connecting with them as part of these conversations and letting them know that they're supported throughout no matter what is happening for them. To round out our conversation today, I'd love to ask for your Main piece of advice, I think you've given so many tips and tricks for for parents and carers when it comes to engaging with their children and teens in this space, but what would be something that you think is really important for parents and carers to be aware of when it comes to supporting a child who is exposed to cyberbullying in any capacity that we maybe haven't touched on today? I think I have shared a few and, and possibly might repeat myself,
1: but a big one is that feeling that you don't know enough. That you, when you don't know enough, you feel out of your depth. You don't know how to approach it, how to even where to go to next. And I guess that's where resources are available. That's where if if you're listening to the rest of this podcast, you're going to hear the options out there and what services, what supports there are. But I think it's a reminder that it's okay to not know everything, to not be the expert and to take your time with it. Because at the base of everything is that idea that you absolutely know your child the best. You have been... Probably one of the most consistent people in their lives. And whether you're calling ParentLine to have a chat about it or whether you're talking to another parent about it, it still comes back to how comfortable you feel with things and how comfortable you feel in the approach. Not necessarily what you do or don't know about all the different apps and what's happening and here and there and and what it looks like. I think It's still coming back to that connection, coming back to that relationship that you have with your child. They just need to know that you're there. Your presence is generally enough in whatever situation, in in their experience of cyberbullying, to have an adult who's present, who is safe and supporting them in what they're experiencing and what they're feeling is more than enough. I think if that is all you do for them, if we don't even get to making a plan, if it's not something we have to act on, if it's something that maybe happened a while ago, just being a safe space that they shared their experience is enough.
0: I love what you've said there and what it brings up for me is this idea around we can access resources and we can Google things about how to block someone or how to report cyberbullying. The things that we can't Google or find resources for are the things that we know about our child, the things that we know about them just by being their support person or, like you said, one of the main safe spaces in their life. And I think that that is such an important message is that that really is more important than the other things that we can find information for elsewhere one last thing that
1: I would add and
0: and possibly it's a a little
1: reminder to that parent line is here that Mm -hmm. you can call and you can talk about it with someone and and have that outside perspective on how you're going to approach it. But I think if there's anything you would get from a parent line call or from listening to this episode, it's to look after yourself and to take care of your own needs. I think when we look back at recognising how you're feeling and recognising what these experiences are doing to you and how you're feeling listening to what's been happening to your child. It's so important to be aware of that, reflect how that's making you feel. Do you feel heavier? Does it feel more stressful to approach it? And get the help that you need, recognising that when parents look after their own needs. Generally, I would imagine you've got a lot more capacity to go and support
0: your child's needs as well and respond to what they're needing from you. That is such a beautiful note and reminder for parents and carers who are listening to end this episode on Chantelle. I just want to say thank you so much for coming along today and speaking with me. Thanks so much for having
1: me. I think this has been a a really nice opportunity for me to reflect on why I do what I do and uh, absolutely continue to support those parent-child relationships and reminding parents to have moments where they stay connected
0: with their children too. now joined by Kim Harper who is a parenting expert and the parent line manager to discuss what we've learned today and how you can use this information when parenting your children and young people Kim thanks again for joining me thanks for having me going into these conversations with our young people whether it's about bullying or whether it's about cyberbullying or something else Chantelle highlighted the importance of checking in with yourself and I wanted to ask you to provide a bit more detail on how parents can do that and what it might look like.
2: I think it's important to talk about hard conversations. These are hard conversations to have and parents are human. Parents are going to have an emotional reaction based on the hard conversation that they're having, especially when they're having it with their their children, without a doubt. I think there's two different ways that we can look at this in terms of the conversations we're talking about. We're either going to have a conversation on the fly. The information is going to come to us. We're going to have to talk about it there and then, and it's really normal and really natural to get slightly dysregulated or even quite dysregulated when we're talking about things that are really concerning. So whether or not it's, you know, a parent suddenly kind of feeling really angry that they've heard something or really sad or really worried it makes sense that we're going to have an emotional reaction in that moment we want to try and regulate ourselves we want to try and catch that it's really hard to do because we're going to be feeding off our kids and they're going to continuous they're going to get dysregulated as well it's important to think about what is the end goal here right When it comes to our, especially our teenagers, how do we maintain a connection with them first and foremost? And sometimes as a parent, the only way to maintain that connection is literally to say, you know, I don't know what the right thing is to say. I'm really concerned. I'm really worried. I'm really scared. And I'm asking you what you need from me. And I'm asking what I can do in this space as opposed to trying to fix it or trying to come up with, you know, any kind of solution as well. Because that, from our kids' point of view might actually end up blocking that connection in, in some sort of way. So, it's okay to say that we don't know the answers and it's okay to say that we don't know what we're doing in a scenario as well and to ask our kids what's the best way that we can help them. I think if we've got the opportunity to have that conversation in a planned way, then we, you know, in a perfect world, we that should mean that we're able to regulate ourselves better and be a little bit more conscious about how we do that. The main thing is... How do I make sure that this conversation doesn't harm the connection between me and my teenager?
0: For anyone who is unfamiliar with the terms being regulated or being dysregulated, what do those actually mean? Because I think they're things that we talk about a lot, not just in this episode with Chantel, but throughout the podcast as well. And I think it would be really good to have, from your perspective, a bit of a breakdown about what that looks like for people.
2: I don't think there's anyone that's listening to this podcast that hasn't had a conversation that got incredibly emotional, um, where we say things that we don't mean, where we get really frustrated. Um, A lot of the time... These kind of conversations are chaotic. We don't really even remember half the things that have come out of our mouth. That's dysregulation. When our brain stops thinking, it's when emotion takes the takes the reins and, and uh, completely will direct and steer a conversation as opposed to that kind of really conscious, logical thinking that we have when we're calm.
0: An example of a situation where a parent might especially become dysregulated or is potentially more likely to become dysregulated is in a situation where they're finding out that their child is the one engaging in the bullying behaviors. Chantelle and I spoke about how this might be really triggering and it might raise those thoughts in parents' heads of, you know, I raised you better than this and there might be anger and confusion involved. Does the conversation look the same in that context where the child is the one engaging in those behaviours or does it look different to what we've talked about today?
2: I think the conversations have a heap of similarities. I think they do. I think ultimately if we are having a conversation about our child that has been cyber bullied, then we're emotional, we're scared, we're worried, we're you know s- protective, we're having an emotional response to it. It's really similar in the sense that if we find out that our child has been doing that, then we are going to be upset. We're going to be worried. We, we could be angry. All those feelings, it's still an emotional reaction. It doesn't change the fact that we need to have a conscious communication with our kid regardless of which side of the coin we're looking at at that point in time. What is the goal of this conversation? Either way, I can say to my child, regardless of what it is, please help me understand what's going on. That question is gonna work regardless of, like I said, which side of the coin they are. So it's still around, how do I stay calm? How do I understand? How do I stay connected? The biggest protective factor that we're gonna have is that relationship that we can have with our children by far. So how do we maintain that and and still kind of get get to a place where we understand what's going on for them and that we can give them what they need.
0: Kim, as always, these have been some fantastic tips for parents and carers to take away, particularly around having those emotionally charged conversations with their children and young people. Thank you again for joining me. Thanks for having me. To find out more about anything we've discussed on today's episode, access free resources, or get in touch with the show, please visit parentline.com.au and hit the cyberbullying tab. If you'd like to talk privately with a professional counsellor, please call ParentLine on one 30 1300 or visit parentline.com.au to chat to us online.